this morning, you're probably going to recognize that the scripture reading that we're using this morning, we actually heard from Justin about three weeks ago when we talked about the wise men. But today we're going to take a different angle on that and we're going to talk about the impact that it has on us as a church and Christians in our life today. This morning we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I invite you to read along with your Bibles. It's projected here or listen as we share. Beginning with verse 2. Now in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. How many of you in here have read the Christmas story, Amal and the Night Visitors? Raise your hand. There's a few of you. Maybe the rest of you will find time to read it because it's one of the most appealing Christmas stories, I think, that's ever been written. It's a story about the three wise men as they travel to Bethlehem and on their way they come across the home of a poor woman and her uh, son, a young man named Amal. Amal was crippled and he couldn't walk without the use of a crutch. And one evening in the humdrum experience that he and his mother always encountered in the life that they lived, there was a knock at the door. And Amal's mother said, go, go to the door and see who it is. And he went to the door and he came back and he said, mama, there's a king at the door. Well, needless to say, she got flustered and real upset with him for his exaggerating. So she sent him back to the door. And Amal came back and says, Mama, there's two kings at the door. She was really mad that time, and she said, Go to the door, see who's there, and come back and tell me. He came back and he says, Mama, there's three kings at the door. And she was really frustrated at this point. But eventually, after through all those conversations, um, the three wise men did come in, and they told them about their journey. And they were very poor, and the woman wanted to give something to send with them for the new baby, the Savior that God had sent. But after seeing all of what was going on around him and all, Amal, sensing that he had nothing to give but wanting to send something, jumped up and said, I'll send my crutch. Now that's the one thing that was indispensable to him. 
he was going to give that away. So he was lifted up the crutch and he gave it to the wise men and they left. See, he gave what he had. He gave it personally. He gave it completely. And then a miracle occurred. His mother looked and first noticed that Amal could walk now. So the giving away of the most valuable treasure that Amal had was the very thing that freed him from the need of having to use one. I want you to think about that for a minute today. Today's gospel lesson that we read from Matthew, uh, again, is a retelling of the story that we, we read in Luke. But it's during this time of year, immediately following Christmas, that we commemorate these events. Now, I know that most of you have stayed awake many nights in the last couple of weeks thinking about Epiphany, right? Y'all have lost sleep over that. Well, there are a lot, probably a good number of you in here who have never heard of Epiphany. I hope you have, but a lot of people in the world have never heard of an Epiphany. Epiphany falls on January the 6th. January 6th is actually the 12th day of Christmas. That's when we're supposed to get 12 drummers drumming. But instead, we get the wise men. And uh, we, we commonly uh, remember that as the day the wise men got to Bethlehem. Now, in Germany and some other countries over in... Um, How about that? Thank you. So typically in countries uh, overseas on the 12th day of Christmas now, um, children dress up like wise men. A lot like you would see them doing on Halloween except Rather than going door to door and collecting gifts for themselves, they collect gifts for the poor. They collect food and clothing, and they give it to them. And it's the way of uh, helping the people that they encounter. They remember the wise men who brought gifts to the poor child. There are several other uh, things that people do on Epiphany. We have some Episcopal friends, and years ago they started us burning our Christmas trees on Epiphany because it's supposed to be good luck. Now, we gave that up years ago now because now if we built a bonfire with the Christmas trees, we'd just watch them melt, right? We, don't, we just don't have many real trees anymore. Um, so what is Epiphany? Epiphany is the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles as represented by the Magi. So let's break that down. It's when we remember directly the events in the life of Jesus. It's a time when, like the Magi, we follow the star and are reminded of the fullest meaning of the coming of Jesus. Now, you've heard this, you know this, but I want to remind you that although they are referred to as kings, they were probably more likely astrologers. Or they may have even been magicians because that's where... Uh, the word magi is the base of the word magician. And they probably, 
a lot of scholars, most scholars think, that they were descendants of some who uh, had even come in contact with the prophecies of Jesus' coming when the Israelites were held captive in Babylonia several centuries before the birth of Christ. Whatever the background, they were wise men from the east, and they were provoked by a star that signaled them to seek out the child of God. And each came bearing, we know, unique gifts, right? So this morning, I want to pose this question to you, and I want you to think about it. I just don't want it to go over your heads. I want you to take it with you, and I want you to mull over it in the weeks to come. What gifts do you bring to the king? What personally do you give to his kingdom, and what do you give to him? Now, the gifts that they came were of a incredible value. But you see, God has placed gifts inside our heart, inside our lives of credible value. Just as the Magi brought the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, each of us bears unique and valuable gifts that we can use for the kingdom of God. Our calling from God is to share whatever we have in common for the benefit of the mission community of faith. And I'm afraid that today a lot of, a lot of us as believers don't even really know what our mission is. The mission of the world as Christians is twofold. To edify the saints or build up the saints, and that would be us. We are saints. To edify us in what we do to present God to the world and to share the love of Christ with the world which is in desperate need of hope. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 27 says, So that there will be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. We are all members of one body. You remember? We remember that at communion. There's one loaf to represent the one body of Christ. And although we're individuals, we come together to comprise that one body. And we all have gifts, whatever they may be. And the gifts are given to us not to keep inside, not to hoard, not to put away in a closet and to hide. But gifts are given to us to use to serve one another so that Christ may shine brightly in and around and, and forth from the fellowship that we share together. It takes all of us. It takes all our gifts. Sometimes we're jealous of other people's gifts. I, I doubt there's anybody in here that doesn't wish they could sing like Philip or Becca or, or the others who come up on front. But they share their gifts. You have a gift too. Hopefully you know what it is. If not, hopefully you'll find out. <coughs> But we get gifts, and sometimes we don't know what to do with them. I was reminded of the story I read one time about a pastor who lived in a rural area. And he came into his office one morning, and there was two containers of food on his desk. One of them was a hearty soup that um, one of the constituents of the church had made. And he wasn't sure what the other one was. But they ate the soup, and they enjoyed it. And the other one, he said, he kind of looked like a squash dish and he tried it, but it really wasn't good. So they just ended up throwing it away and setting it aside. But being respectful, they did thank the lady for bringing the food without mentioning that second dish. They said the, the, the soup was wonderful, but they didn't mention the squash dish. 
Well, the next week, the pastor was in his office, and the custodian came in, and they were talking about the craft projects that were inflicting um, on the carpets in the children's classroom, the damage. They were causing a lot of damage. And he looked at the custodian and said, we need to get all that cleaned up. He said, I cleaned up last week. He said, you did? He said, yeah, didn't you see the wad of Play-Doh that I put in a container on your desk? I tell you that because sometimes we mistake our gifts, don't we? We see things and we may want them to be gifts, but they're actually not. But how often do we bear gifts as though they are burdens to us? How often do we forsake the using of the gifts that God has given us because we think they're too hard? Or surely God couldn't ask me to be doing that. No, God, God wants... God wants the preacher to do that. God wants the uh, elders to do that. The Sunday school. He didn't, not me, surely not God. And how often do we lock our treasures away for fear that we would lose them? All too often. See, a lack of confidence to serve God with our gifts reflects much more than simple lack of confidence in ourselves. When we do not put forth our best effort to use our gifts, it reflects a lack of understanding in our true understanding of the nature of God and the power of God to enable us to do it. Because we can't do anything like that without God. We, we have to have him in us. Acts 1.8 said the word where the words of Christ are recorded says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to be the remotest part of the earth. See, we have at our disposal the power of God within us. As followers of Christ, we're given the matchless opportunity to experience the extraordinary power of God working in and through us as his children. It takes all of us. It takes children. It takes elderly. Some of us, when we become, I'll use the word, more mature, we think that we've done our time. Not true. We have so much more to offer. And, and I want to tell you adults, <clears throat> and even you teenagers in here, if you don't think the children of the church are watching you, you better think again. You have an example to set, and they see you using your gifts, they're going to want to use theirs too. Evangelist D.L. Moody, I'm sure some of you have read some of his works, said this, he said, God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And if we are not filled, it is because we are living beneath our privileges. Oh, that it might not be said of us that we are paupers, all the while being children of God. Think about that. We're supposed to live like children of the King. We're supposed to live like princes and princesses. We are the children of God, and too often we forget that. We have to use what he gives us. Now, when Christopher, my oldest son, many years ago, he was two years old, I gave him a toy set. He loved tools, like all little boys do. And I gave him a set toy set at Christmas that had a play drill in it and it had a little hammer, you know, little rubber saw and things like that. And he loved it. And he would run around the house all the time with his drill, his imaginary drill, screwing in imaginary 
screws and the window seals and the walls. And the whole time he was saying, I shrew, I shrew. <laughs> you know, but what he really wanted to do was use a real drill. And, of course, I wouldn't actually turn that over to him. Uh, but that didn't matter to him. He lacked absolutely no confidence in his ability to really fix things with this plastic pretend drill. He just knew he could do it. I tell you that because I want to tell you I'm afraid that all too often we go just the opposite as people. How often do we have a powerful tool in our hands but because we misunderstand its potential, because we think we're not capable or perhaps not even worthy, we pass up the opportunity to share our gifts with others. Quite often we do that. We're all guilty of that. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says in regards to these things, says, what is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation, let all things be done for the edification of his church. Each of us has unique gifts that are meant for building up one another and for the building up the kingdom of God. No matter how young or old you are, regardless of how rich or poor you are, and absolutely independent of your rung on the social ladder, each of us has a distinct purpose and function for the kingdom of God. Every one of us. If you say, well, I don't know what that is, you need to pray about it. You need to listen to your friends. Too often, we ignore what people tell us. You know, you would really be good at doing this. No, I could never do that. Well, have you tried? Well, no, but I could never do it. We need people to serve everywhere, inside and outside the four walls of this church. Um, what... What I think is even more powerful than that is the fact that we don't have to rely on our own strength to use those gifts. We forget that God gave us those gifts and we've been blessed with the very presence of God within our lives to enable us to do every good work. He is not going to call you to do something that he does not equip you to do. Ever. And he will see you through it. We've been given the gift of grace, haven't we? It's not that we need to uh, earn God's favor, no. What we're speaking about today is something far greater than that. We've been invited to be kingdom builders. See, we should be on a mission to share the love that uh, we have of God, and in doing so, build the very kingdom of God. Our holy task is participating in the plan of God by the power of his Holy Spirit within us. I couldn't get up here today to speak without the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me and directing me what to say. You can't go and do things in the church unless you allow the power of the Spirit to dwell within you and do what they, He urges you to do. So I want to ask you once again, what are the gifts that you bring to the King? See, We've been given the incredible opportunity to partner with the God of the universe in building his kingdom. I remind people of this often. It's our responsibility to build his kingdom and keep his church going. God has no grandchildren. You ever heard that? He doesn't. 
if we, if one generation fails to present the gospel to the next generation, Christianity dies. We have to be out there uh, carrying the message of God forward. And, the, and the, the call of Christ is a call to action. Just as the Magi saw that distant star and followed it to the baby, the King of Kings, uh, so has God given us a sign to, of his future coming and a, and a call to action to build his kingdom, to build his church, to be there, to do what he asks us to do. We started off the message by talking about a mom, and he gave the only thing that he had to value him to the Magi to carry to Jesus. A crippled boy who was willing to give up the most valuable thing he had, his crutch as a gift. And the story continued with that generous offer, he was healed. And the message, I think, is clear in that story and in the scriptures we read. It is when we share our most precious gifts that we personally find healing. Don't keep them inside. You're only hurting yourself. It is when we love others. It is when we share our gifts that we become free to receive the most precious gift of all, and that's the grace, the love, and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ and his presence in our lives. So this morning, I want to encourage you to recommit yourself to looking at ways to shower gifts upon the king as you fulfill his commandment to let his love shine through you to others. Now, the Christian faith is not a set of beliefs, but it's a willingness to travel, to keep going, to pursue God's gentle light in a world that is dark. Christianity is not a place to stand, but it's a direction in which we move. God invites us to follow that star just like he did the Magi over 2,000 years ago. So as we wind our way from Epiphany, maybe you learned something about Epiphany this morning, through the season of Lent, which is our next Christian season, to Easter, let God epiph in your life. And I say that because I had a professor one time in seminary that used to always say, why doesn't God epiph anymore? He made us write a paper about that. God does epiph, or he manifests himself in our lives. Make room in your life for a real encounter with God. Sometimes we have to set time aside for that. And it may be here, it could happen in this church, it could be anywhere. But expect that it's going to happen. And if we expect it, it will. Get up in the morning wondering where it's going to come from and go to sleep at night listening for God's voice directing you what he expects out of you. Especially as we're on the precipice of a new year. We like to think we have new... We, we forget the past and we start over new. And there's a little bit of truth to that. But if we make resolutions to be the children of God, let's keep that resolution. Lastly, read your Bible expecting to hear God and expecting to let others see his love through you. Now, if you do that, I promise you, God will show up and he will help you be the Christian that he has called you to be and 2024 will exceed your wildest expectations. I know that for sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.